By the way, as people are finding their way back to the seat, G4 is this Wednesday. Um, for those of you who have been attending our Bible study, know that you're uh, absolutely welcome to it. But G3 groups uh, this this Wednesday at 645 um, is our is our G4 uh, Bible study. Y'all give it up for Victor as Victor is in the house. You ready? All right. Yes. All right. Ready. Let him use. Uh, John chapter one. And verse uh, uno, dos, tres. Mm -hmm, I know what that means. One, two, three. <laughs> okay. If you read the Bible, you know this scripture, okay? In the beginning was the Lord. And the Lord was with, the God, with God. And the world was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. En el principio era el verbo, y el verbo era con Dios, y el verbo era Dios. Este era en el principio con Dios. Todas las cosas por él fueron hechas y sin él nada de lo que ha sido hecho fue hecho. Amén. Uh, we're going to be in the book of John uh, this this morning. Uh, they're messing with me in the back. That's funny. Um, we're going to be in the book of John this morning. I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, Wally. Uh, many of you guys heard him preach. He actually finished a commentary um, on the book of John. And so if you're interested in getting that commentary, you can see uh, Wally after service. Now, he's probably happy and mad at me for saying that. But, hey, nevertheless, he's out there now. So, Wally, thank you for your work. Um, in God's word. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, your love, your goodness, your word that gives life to us and has held us together um, all these years. And Lord, now as we humble ourselves under your word, we pray now that you would speak to our souls in a way that encourages us, in a way that makes a fellowship among your people stronger. Lord, would you shine your light in this room through the preaching of your word and use your preacher as fallen as he may be to proclaim your truth. In Jesus' name I pray and all of the saints say, Amen. For the next four Sundays, including today, we are, we are waiting for Christmas Day we will start our December series titled Finding Christ at Christmas. Picture it like one of those uh, social media posts when people have those challenges and, and they ask you to find someone in the crowd or to find a word in the, in, inside of a word puzzle. Uh, 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 like one I saw recently was finding SpongeBob 
amongst the millions of minions. You know how hard that was? But there it was, SpongeBob, in the middle of the crowd, teasing. Uh, today, we will start our series with Christ in Heaven. Next week, Christ in the womb. Third Sunday, Christ in the cradle. And the last Sunday, Christ exhausted, exalted in heaven. So it'll go heaven, womb, cradle. Uh, I'm sorry. It'll, yeah, it'll go heaven, womb, cradle, heaven. Where Christ, where is Christ in the story? Are you able to find him? And in finding him, as the wise man did to then worship him. So that's where we are going. And by the way, I don't want any smoke because Thanksgiving is finally behind us. And it's safe to say we have entered the Christmas season. Oh, yes. If you haven't been watching social media, it's been a lot of drama and a lot of debate on whether it's right to sing Christmas songs before Thanksgiving or put up your Christmas tree. I almost messed the entire body up, a whole division. Well, all of that is behind us, and we are full steam ahead now towards Christmas. But we are not at Christmas yet. There is something else besides Thanksgiving that comes before Christmas. It is called Advent. What is Advent? Advent is derived from the Latin word meaning to come. It is the name given to the season that counts the four Sundays leading up to Christmas Day. Advent reminds us that we are, we are waiting. We are waiting on what? We are waiting on a Savior. Amidst the commercials featuring silver bells and white Christmas trees, there seems to be an underdwelling feeling of sadness somberness, anxiety that comes along with the arrival of the season. It's ironic that in the season we celebrate the coming of our Lord and Savior, we feel and realize our angst and anxiety the most. It is my belief this angst is common with Advent because Advent reminds us of a desired wholeness that only the coming of our Lord and Savior produces. See, the first tenet of Advent is, is hope. We long for his coming because Jesus Christ is our hope. What does, what does hope mean? It means, watch this church, it means divine expectation. And one of the things I love about Advent is that it does remind us of this royal hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And hope is, is not something that you should take lightly. Hope is not something you should be cavalier about. One of the things about hope is, is hope is important because hope is a key ingredient to faith. The Bible often makes a family out of faith, hope. Can anybody guess the last one? Come on, somebody know their Bible in here. The Bible makes a family out of faith, hope, and love. Dr. Eric Mason says, if you don't have hope, you can't have faith. Let me rewind that tape again. If you don't have hope, you cannot have faith. Why? Because hope helps you to see what faith is believing God for. Hope helps you to see what faith is believing God for. Hope is to faith what spinach is for Popeye. Y'all remember Popeye? Popeye would consume spinach and it would strengthen him for the fight ahead. And what hope does is strengthen our faith that we might fight another day in another day. 
And what Advent reminds us of is we have hope. It reminds us not only should we place our faith in Jesus, but that Jesus is our hope. That hope actually has a name. And today I want to remind you that Jesus is the only, Jesus is the only, Jesus is the only suitable hope because before Christmas was, he was. Before Christmas was, he was. I want to preach from this thought. Before the infinite became an infant. Before the infinite became an infant. Now, I realize that our text today is not the traditional Christmas text, and I know uh, that you were probably hoping for maybe Luke chapter 2 or something, but John does not write about angels. He does not write about shepherds. He does not write about stars, and he does not write about sheep, but he does something the other gospel writers do not do. John puts the greatest Christmas delivery of all time into context. He tells us all we need to know to have a hopeful Christmas. If you're going to have a hopeful Christmas, according to the Apostle John, you need to consider the pre-existent person of Christmas. You start with the eternality of Jesus, that Jesus is eternal. See, I love verse 1 because it brings us back to the real essence of Christmas. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I felt something in my spirit when I read that. I'm going to read it again. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who is the Word? This verse doesn't tell us. It tells us that the Word is God and that the Word was with God. But if you travel down chapter 1 and stop at verse 14, you'll notice the Word became flesh. And as you continue through the book of John, you'll discover that that word who became flesh is no other than Jesus himself. You ain't shout yet, but I'm coming for you. What we discover here is before the infinite became an infant, he was pre-existent. We see this in verse 1. In the beginning was the word. That'll preach all by itself. I can sit down and have a seat. But you guys will be mad at me because you came too far to, for me to stop there. But listen to the phrase, in the beginning was the word. The phrase does not imply that the word had a beginning. It means that the word has always existed. The word was in this verse is in the perfect is, is, is in the imperfect tense. It signifies an action of the past that continues into the present. It could be read this way: In the beginning was the word, is the word, and always will be the word. The word is eternal. He always has been, and he always will be. Before there was anything else, there was the Word. Jesus had his birth in Bethlehem, but as one writer says, he did not have his beginning in Bethlehem. Before there was silver bells, before there was angels, before there was shepherds, before there was gift wrapping paper. Oh, this is going to mess some of y'all up this next one. Before there was Amazon. And I know some of y'all think Amazon is almighty. 
especially y'all who got Amazon Prime. Y'all think y'all better than everybody else. Okay, some of y'all say, I ain't got Amazon. Before there was Walmart. All right, let me hit the bougie folks. Before it was Target, <laughs> a.k.a. Tarjay. Y'all may not believe this, but before any of that, there was Jesus. And Jesus was not God's plan B, ladies and gentlemen. There never was another plan. If Jesus is Christmas, then Christmas always was. God had his Christmas plan before the world was formed. A couple of months before, uh, 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 a couple of months before Christmas, the wife of a mail carrier was killed in a car accident. The husband was overcome with grief and was trying to work through his sorrow. And he had stayed late at his post office sorting through the mountain of mail that always comes through at Christmas time. His job that day was to go through the mail that had been lost and to find out where it would be rerouted. He came across a letter that was addressed to Santa Claus. And he noticed the address at the top of the letter was his own address. So he opened the letter. Looking down at the bottom of the page, he saw that it was his only daughter's signature. And he read, Dear Santa, my mommy died two months ago. And since then, my daddy has been crying himself to sleep every night. He says, only eternity will heal him. Would you please send a little bit of eternity to my dad this Christmas? Well, God not only sent a little bit of eternity, he sent us the very heart of heaven. And as John puts in his letter and in his epistle, and we, and we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, our royal hope. If you want to have a merry, hopeful Christmas, not only do you need to consider his eternality, but you need to consider that he's equal with God. It says this, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The word translated word in this verse in the Greek word is logos. It refers to speech, reasoning, explanation, a word about something. That is who Jesus is. He's called the Word, as one writer puts, because a word is a visible expression of an invisible thought. The word is, an, is, is a visible expression of an invisible thought. Jesus is the perfect expression of who God is. I got to slow this down. Jesus is the perfect expression of who God is. Jesus is everything God has ever said or will say. Y'all need to know the sufficiency of Christ. He is everything God is about in human form. John 14, 18, declare, to lead out, to explain, to narrate. We get the word exegesis from this word. Jesus is the explanation or the narration of God. The word wit means face to face in this verse or towards. This tells us that Jesus was face to face with God. In other words... That he is God's equal. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a man. No, he's equal with God. This reminds us that the God we serve is a triune God. 
There was one God who manifests himself in three persons. The word Jesus is one of those manifestations. Because Jesus is equal with God, he is sufficient enough to reveal God to us. To be equal means a person or thing considered to be the same as another in status or quality. One of the things I love around this time is Mama Jean pound cake. I love, I love, I love, I love Mama Jean's pound cake. It's really good. I try to stay away from it because once it's in my house, it's going down, y'all. Ain't no, I'm up at the middle. I, I mean, it's talking to me in the middle of the night, 2 a.m. I hear my voice being called, beckoning from the kitchen. It's the pound cake. And here it is. Um, I, I really do some damage to that pound cake. And those who attempt to make this cake might get close, but it's not the same. It's not equal. Jonathan said, her grandson, he, I, I, I mean, her, her son-in-law said, I gave it a swing, and I all, it was almost the same, but it wasn't the same. However, what John is saying is Jesus doesn't come close to God. Jesus is better than that. Jesus is equal. John is saying to us this morning, Jesus was not impersonating God. You know how people like Jamie Foxx is really good at impersonating people. He did excellent with Ray Charles or how Will Smith did Muhammad Ali. They are acting or attempting, but not quite the exact same thing. Jesus wasn't impersonating God. And who could anyhow? We know he wasn't because him claiming to be equal with God got him killed. Now, this may seem like, of course, he's God. We know that. We've heard that to us. But in Bible times, this kind of teaching was offensive to first century Jewish people. They picked up stones. As you read through the book of John, and he's making these claims that he's equal with God, they pick up stones to throw at him. They're not playing games about God. And when he said, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am, true as it was, this jarring reality didn't go over much better even in John 6. He says, what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending where he was before? After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Because Jesus claimed equality with God, he lost friends. He was marginalized. There were people who did not want to kick it with him. There were people that did not want to hang with him. Because Jesus was not saying that I came to give you a taste of what God is like. I'm not trying to uh, uh, be the best Christian in the world and to reflect the goodness of God. No, I am God in the flesh. So not only should you consider his eternality or his equality, but you need to know this and get this down in your soul. He is essentially God. The statement in the word was God is the clearest statement of the deity of Jesus in all of the Bible. Not only is the word co-eternal and co-equal with God, the word is God. This is why Jesus could say these things in John 14, 8, John 10, 30, John 8, 58. Remember, Jesus says, I am the Father, are one. Only Jesus can say that and be 100% accurate. 
When God sent his son into the world, John 3, 16, he sent the one who is eternally equal and essentially God. In other words, when the angel says unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, they were announcing the birth of God in human flesh. All through his life, Jesus proved that he was God. From peace be still to rise up and walk to Lazarus come forth, thy sins are forgiven. It is finished. The truth and power of his deity was a constant display in his ministry. Every word and every deed and every miracle declared him to be God. He alone is the person of Christmas. Now that we understand who Jesus was, before he ever came to the earth, we can now get this Christmas story straight. We can now straighten this thing out. And we understand that he's eternal. I don't understand that he's co-equal and that he's essentially God. I want to straighten this Christmas thing out once and for all. Christmas is not right when we have the right decorations on the tree. It is not right when we get a white Christmas as we normally want. Some of y'all say, you can keep that snow. I don't want that. The devil is a lie. I rebuke that statement right now. It's not right when all of our family and loved ones are sitting at the dinner table with us exchanging gifts. No. I believe God wants us to get Christmas right. I believe he is not so interested in us having a right, a, a right Christmas as he is interested in us having a right Christmas. And when we get Jesus right, we get Christmas right. So let me ask you again, class. Where was Jesus before the incarnation? Heaven? No. He was with God because heaven is also created. Jesus was not chilling in heaven before his incarnation. There was no heaven there. It was just him and God. This is why John 1 doesn't say that he was in heaven. No, he says that he was with God. He was with God because God was all that was. Now, let me ask you a question that you really can't ask anyone else but Jesus. About, uh, 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 but Jesus. What was Jesus doing before his earthly birth? What was he doing before his earthly birth? See, this is where we find our hope. When we get this part here, he's God, he's eternal, but what in the world was he doing before his birth? See, this is where we find our hope. See, as for the rest of us, we were doing what before our birth? Nothing. Dexter won back in the 70s. I won back in the 1800s, right? Because for everyone in the room, our birth marks our beginning. Now, there's some theories out there, some stuff that say you existed before your birth and all that. They lying to you. You weren't doing jack before your birth because you didn't exist. You were non-existent. But what was Jesus doing? Well, first and foremost, he was creating and sustaining. It says this in John 1, 3, if you keep reading, it says, All things were made through him, 
and without him was not anything made that was made. This verse here is so critical because this verse here takes Jesus out of the made category. It says, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In other words, you cannot be both the maker of everything and be made yourself. That is a contradiction. And so what John 1, 3 is saying is that Jesus is out of the made category and he puts them into the eternal category. When you consider that this verse tells us that Jesus was the creator of the universe. I need that to kind of land a certain way in the room. This verse tells you and I that Jesus is the creator of the universe. It ought to do something to your soul to know that the God that you worship every Sunday and hopefully throughout the week is the creator of the universe. It, ought to, it really ought to blow your Christmas way up to know that the, the, the baby in the manger was the creator of the universe. His birth as a baby becomes even more amazing. The creator of creation humbles himself and became a creature in creation. God who created everything became dependent upon a human mother. Jesus, who was the agent of creation, stepped out of eternity, laid aside his glory, and entered this world as a human baby. That's mind-blowing to me. Who does that? You create it, then you step into it, you become dependent upon it, uh, upon it. What humility. That is the power behind Christmas. That is why this season is not about trees and, and packages and, and Amazon and bowls and boxes or meals or mistletoe. This season is about him. He is the maker of creation. And when you consider that, this verse tells us that Jesus was the creator of the universe. His birth as a baby become all that more amazing. That Jesus became like you and I, the creator. But you know what really, what really got me, though? Because that's enough to shout over by itself, is it not? That God stepped out of eternity, stepped into time, the creator of the universe. Like, that's enough, like. I mean, everybody bow down and worship him right now. Like, I mean, like, that's dope enough. But what really got me is this next thing, y'all. This is what made me shout. This is what made me run around my living room. This is what made me drop my laptop. And I had to say, hold up. I know, Dexter, that you're writing a sermon for Sunday morning, but you have got to worship God right now. Man, I'm about to hit y'all with some, 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 some just heavy right here. Now watch this. We know the, the question is, what was he doing before his birth? He was creating and sustaining, but he was doing something even more dynamic than that. Here it is. But you know, here it is. He says, uh, 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 the manger in Bethlehem was not Jesus' first appearance on earth. His Old Testament appearance are called Christophanies. These include the visitors to Abraham before Sodom's destruction, Jacob wrestling adversary who he identified as the Lord. Joshua met the commander of the Lord of armies before the battle of Jericho. The fourth man in the fiery furnace in Daniel. 
Jesus. Hold on, y'all didn't catch it. Before he was born in Matthew, if you look back in the Old Testament, he was involved in the life of his people. What I'm trying to come and tell y'all, not only was he holding the universe together, but he'd been holding his people together before he ever came into the world. You ought to shout right now that you got a God that doesn't just hold the universe together, but that he holds his people together. Y'all, pre-Christmas was dope. The man, Lions did Daniel all of, This is Jesus before he ever comes. He's stepping into time and he's holding Abraham down and he's holding Joshua down and he's holding Daniel down. And Lord, if he'll hold them down, I know good and well that he'll hold Dexter Harris down. In 2021, he is a God that shows up. He is a God that exists in my mess. See, 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 you'll never have a hopeful Merry Christmas until you believe Jesus is God. If you don't believe that the infant was infinite before he was an infant, you will not have a hopeful future. That's the point of verse one. This is what John is trying to do. He's trying to humble us. To leave you in awe that the baby who was coming into the world, who we celebrate on Christmas, is God. John's gospel is intended to leave us awestruck that the man at the wedding, at the well, on the mountain, is the creator of the universe. Woman at the well, you can have hope because the baby is God. Lazarus, you can have hope, not first, because Jesus was born. There's a lot of born babies, but because God was born. 5,000, you can have hope, not because he he catered 5,000 with a Lunchable, but instead because he's God. And those who live in 2021 can be hopeful because the pre-existing Christ is with you. The Lord is near to us in our weary years, in our silent tears, because he's the God who promises justice and restoration. Although Advent is a reminder, we are waiting and we know the bleakness of waiting. The Holy Spirit seems to breathe into us the beauty of our hope as we remind ourselves we are waiting not on man, not on money, not on the economy, not on a president, not on the government, but we are waiting on God himself. That's what we're waiting on. And we know one thing about God. He can do a whole lot of things, but there's one thing that the book of Hebrews says that he cannot do. I'm going to preach to myself. The book of Hebrews says that he cannot lie. God can't lie even if he wanted to. I told y'all this before. I'll tell you again. God so much cannot lie that if he looked at you and he said that you're blue, you'll turn blue right now. Your body will have to get in line with him because he's the God of truth and you ought to know that no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, no matter your circumstance, no matter your situation, no matter your oppression, no matter what injustice you may be facing, no matter what the doctor has said, no matter what your marriage may look like, no matter what your kids may be looking like, you got this one hope. One day God's going to crack the sky and he's going to give eternal hope. So I wish I had some folks in the room 
that knew that he's a keeper, not just when he comes, but right now that he's walking with you, that he's talking with you. There's some folks in the room that would have lost their mind, but because he's God and because you put your faith in him, he's kept you. You should have walked away from that marriage, come on now, a long time ago. But your spouse think it's because you're so loving, but they don't know. It's because it's the Jesus down in the inside of you. If it hadn't been for God, you'd have been gone a long time ago. But because he's able to hold you together, you've been standing. And I got some folks in the room that know that Jesus is our hope. Oh, one day, one day he's coming. Yes, he is. The people in the Old Testament had to hold on to their hope in their advent. Friends, we're in a second advent. We're waiting on the second coming. But he ain't coming as no baby. No, he ain't. He's coming as a king. He's coming as a ruler. And when he comes, he's going to give justice to the weak. When he comes, he'll feel, he'll, he'll feel the hungry with good things. He will bring oppressors down from their throne. Oh, that's our hope. The marginalized will know provision. The last she'll be first. Oh, it's coming, friends. The kingdom is coming, and it's an everlasting kingdom, a kingdom of peace and equity. And, those, and though he tarries, we wait with great hope because he is God. He is the infant who is infinite. And because he is, y'all, this Christmas, we're not most excited because of the gifts under the tree. We're most excited because the ultimate gift that God wrapped up was infinite, eternal, God, equal, co-equal with God, the Father. Worship team is coming back at this time. The God that you serve, the God that you look to, the God that you hope in is truly God. He's truly divine. He's not just hope. He's a royal hope. And that, my friends, is where you should leave your hope. Don't take it from there. Don't remove it from there. Though life will challenge you to remove your hope from there, that place, leave it there. Because he will come again. And he will give eternal hope to all those who trust in him. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning. That before the infinite became, before the infinite became an infant, he was pre-existent. He was with you, always has been, equal with you. He is God. And Father, I know in this room, some of us struggle sometimes to hold on to that truth. That Jesus is God, because sometimes life circumstances will make you doubt. Sometimes we go through seasons where we just don't feel like he's God. And Lord, there's seasons like this that sometimes we forget what Christmas is really about. That it's really about the infinite God who became an infant. 
on a mission to save the world. And save the world he did. By his blood, by his resurrection, and one day with his return.